and welcome to the Aussie Pastor Live, right here on Faith FM. G'day, my name's Lloyd Grolleman, I'm the Aussie Pastor, coming to you as usual from our studios in northwest Sydney, Hunty. G'day mate. He's our producer-director, Welcome. Mate, it's good to be here. And I'd like to welcome you, our listeners, today to our program. We've got an exciting program today. Yep, we do. I'm going to talk to my dad, and I think he's a pretty exciting fellow. Yep. He's got a good story. Well, it's a bit of a sad story, actually, but it's an encouraging one. It's a good story in the end. And then we're going to talk to Harold Harker, our resident historian, travel advisor, travel guru, who's going to talk to us. uh, He's going to tell us a story about a guy called, well, I'm not going to tell you what he's called. We'll wait until okay. we get there. But, oh, okay, his name's Polycarp. Yep. Funny name, eh? Indeed. Polycarp. Polycarp. But one of the mm. greatest heroes in the history of the church. It's a good, good story and lots of other really exciting things today. Hey, Hunty. Yeah, mate. If you want to contact us, and we want to hear from you. We do. We really do want to hear from Especially you. Especially for can... our Ask the Aussie Pastor segment. We'll talk about that later, won't we? We will. But... We can talk about it now if you want. That's right. What's Ask the Aussie Pastor? Well, it's a good segment where you can ask the Aussie Pastor any biblical question that you would like to know the answer to. I can tell you he has a lot of answers and he will do his best to answer them. However, if you stump him, he will research and he will come back with an answer for you. You'd love to see him stump me, wouldn't you? Make my day. <laughs> Funny thing is, man, it's it's not as hard as you might. I don't think, think I've ever seen anyone stump you. I've been stumped. My wife stumps me every day, man. <laughs> hey, um, if you want to contact us, how do you do it? Yes, zero four double eight double eight zero eight five one. No, that's SMS. That's right. That's SMS, man. Text. 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 SMS. That's right. Yeah. Also, you can email us info at aussiepasta dot com. Yeah, so email me a question, yep. text me a question. Yep. If you've got something to tell us, we're happy to hear from you. We just love it that you're on board yep. with us today. And, you know, above all else, I hope that you're blessed and get a little glimpse of Jesus in our program today. You're listening to The Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Hey, Hunty. Yeah, mate. Did you know I'm a country boy? Yes, I did. Mm. New South Wales born. Oh, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> Don't be doing that. I'm a Queensland boy, but I really am a country boy, born and bred in the country That's on it. a farm, on a dairy farm. So it is with some trepidation and sorrow that I'm watching our farmers at the moment from over the border in Queensland all the way down that fertile strip on the other side of the Blue Mountains, Mm. all the way down to Victoria. So from Queensland down into New South Wales and into Victoria, go through one of the worst mice plagues in living memory. Have you ever been through a mice plague, Hunty? Um, In the mid-80s, I was driving out west and I came around a corner in my Mini and I was flying along at the speed limit. And, and the road looked a little <laughs> I bit... I like the way you said that. If you were, if you were, were you young when this happened? Yeah, it was very young. Well, if you were flying ladies. along at the speed limit, yes. that must have been one of the very few times in your life that you were. What were you driving? I was driving my Morris Mini Cooper S. And was that done up and revved up and hotted up? As hard and as high as I could push it. But you were doing the speed limit. Let's just say I was doing the speed limit. Okay, <laughs> let's, let's not even concentrate on that part of the anyway, story. Anyway, I came around a corner and, and the road looked a little bit wet and I thought, that's unusual, it's a dry night. Yeah, yeah. But I had my spotties on and I was flying along, so I thought, oh, well, we'll go through it. It's a straight road. There's no trees. I'll be right. And oh my goodness, to my horror, it was a sea of mice. 
Did you run over them? I splattered through them, and my car looked like I'd been through a zombie apocalypse, and I got to the next town and the next petrol station. Do you remember where that was? I'm thinking you might have been the Hay Plain heading across Adelaide. Can't really remember. Okay, okay. Well, you know what? I used to live in a place called Dolby. Yep. My dad calls it Dolby. He was the pastor. He was the pastor of three churches, Dolby, Chinchilla, and Roma. And he also used to go out to Injun as well. Yep. So that I don't know how far. They're hundreds of kilometres apart. Mm. Um, you'd call it in... Uh, kind of the beginning of Western Queensland, and we got into a mice plague. That mice plague has scarred me for life. There were mice everywhere. There were mice in the cupboard. There were mice in the fridge. I remember the mice ate the electrics of the fridge and we had to get a new fridge. There were mice in the stove. There were even mice in our shoes. Now, I don't know whether you ever notice when we go out to the farm, but when we go out to the farm sometimes, man, have you ever seen if I go to put my gum boots on what I do? Yep. What do I do? You're very cautious. Why? Because I'm scared there'll be mice in the gumboots. If you put your foot into a gumboot full of mice oh, before. I put my feet, when in this mice plague, I would have been 11 or 12 years of age out in Dolby. I, I put my feet into probably four or five times into shoes full of baby mice. Oh, this is, this is horror movie footage. And you know what? They're not cute. And the problem with mice is not only do they eat everything. I mean, you look at the farmers at the moment who are doing incredible work for Christ uh, sorry, got myself mixed up there, <laughs> yeah. didn't I? You look at the farmers that, well, some of them are doing good work for of, Jesus. Of course. But you look at the farmers at the moment who are out there um, b- uh, trying to grow food, trying to get themselves set up. They've been through, what have they been through in the last few years, Hunty? Um, drought. Drought. Followed by fire. fire followed by uh, flood. Flood. Followed by Co- pan- COVID 19 yep. pandemic. And then followed by um, a mice plague. plague. And yep. here they are, mate. They're out and they're out there. They've got the first bumper harvest ever. And they've got the grain stored. They've got the hay stacked. And they're being destroyed by mice. Mm, it's horrible. It is horrible. And it's not just the mice. It is the stench of them. Have you ever smelt mice? Yeah, we've actually we had a bit of a, a touch of that mice plague at the end of last year in our studio. Yeah, yeah. My my control room smells so badly. I, I have to put the aircon on and spray Glen Twenty into the AC before I can even go in there. Yeah, we are. <laughs> actually, we're, we're, I wouldn't say it'd be wrong to say in our studio at the moment that we're getting plagued by a mice plague, but we do have more mice in the studio than normal. Yep. Uh, and I've been putting those big containers full of rat sack out there, and they're eating them in a week or two. Yep. yep. What scares me is we'll soon go to the store, and because they reckon those mice are headed this way, we won't be able to buy the rat sack. But in the next wow. few days, Hunty and I have to go out to the studio, and we have to clean up. Look, man, when we see these things happening, and what a tragedy for our farmers here mm. in Australia. Mm. What does the Bible say we should do? These are a yes. sign that Jesus sign. is going to come. Yep. And the Bible says, look up, for soon you're going to see Jesus return. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. I chose this song, Hunty, You Don't Have to Bear Your Burdens Alone by Jessica King, because I'm thinking of the farmers out there doing it tough. Yep. And if you're out there and you're struggling because of these mice and the other things that have affected you over the last few years, well, I just want you to know that there are some of us in the city who get it. We are praying for you. Yeah, we are praying. We do care. We genuinely care. And this song by Jessica King, You Don't Have to Bear Your Burdens Alone, it's it's for you.
program today keith groleman welcome thank you i think one of the things we have in common is our last name groleman well we've had it for a long time so we better stick with it actually we've had it in common for a long time at least 57 years this is my dad i'm talking to so welcome to the program dad Now, I've got you online on this program because I want to talk to you about an incident that occurred in your ministry. But before we go there, I'd like to just ask you a few questions about your life. How how many years have you been a pastor? Uh, If you count the early days of uh, volunteer-type ministry, probably close to 60. Yeah, I actually reckon, I was thinking, you graduated in 1972, is that right? Yes. So you're, this is 49 years of ministry as a pastor, isn't it? And as you say, yes, volunteer, volun- with the voluntary ministry side of it, up to 60. Now, you weren't an average sort of a pastor, were you? Well, I guess most people would say not. I've worked in about 21 countries. I worked in Fiji yep. as a youth director. Um, I worked in North New Zealand as a youth director. Did you enjoy it? Very much, yeah, lived for it. What was your favourite thing about youth work? 
or sharing with the kids, seeing them happy, being involved, uh, reaching uh, uh, maturity, you might say, as a, a good, solid uh, individual for the nation as well as for the church and for the Lord and uh, to see them developing is always great. Yeah, actually, so I, they, I can tell the listeners a little bit about my dad. He liked hot cars, hot boats. Um, he was uh, into all the things the kids were into. And I think that's one of the things that made you such a good youth. And you were a good youth director, Dad. Definitely, yep. One of the best. Hey, Keith, it's Hunty here. Can I butt in for a sec? Yeah, mate. I remember uh, as a kid in the church, some of my greatest experiences were Bible youth camps. Uh, can you tell our listeners what Bible youth camps are all about? Yeah, sure, I'd be glad to. Youth, youth camp is uh, designed for youth, to meet them at the level that they operate on, their thought patterns and their habit patterns and their activities. So we try to combine activities with spiritual growth so that they have great joy and happiness and excitement and they leave happy and they also come uh, in expectancy that they'll get a good time and uh, that's the goal of the youth director is to give them activities such as water skiing and sailing and swimming and surfing, um, tennis, yep. volleyball, b- basketball, uh, cricket, all of those sort of fun games. Uh, are mixed into the whole program so that they feel fulfilled. They say, man, I want to come back to the next one. When's the next one, etc." cetera? Uh, and so you build a rapport with them and you become their friend and their com- companion, which is great as well. And that you become a confident where they'll talk to you about their difficulties or home problems or whatever it may be, and you're able to help them because you've shared in the ordinary things, they then will share with you the spiritual things. Now, remember um, this particular Bible camp, you had to go into town. Uh, I think it was on the Friday, and I'm not sure why you were going in, but I begged to go with you, and you allowed me to come with you. And so we went into town on the Friday afternoon, and it would have been, as I remember it, going on dark as we were coming back, and we came around the corner. Tell us what you saw. We came over the top of a hill, and we looked down, and here is blazing lights from a fire brigade shining on the a car that had been involved in a bad prank. You got out of the car and yeah, walked down towards it, and you, you, and I got out, and you made me get back in the car. I was ten or eleven years old, and you said, "Wait there." So I was there. Yeah. I, I, ne- I was there. I never forget this. Yeah. So you, you walked down, and what happened? Well, I walked down, and I, I came to. They had it fenced off with this ribbon type stuff, and I just climbed over that and went and had a look in the inside the car. And there was a young couple uh, in the back seat. They looked as if they were just having a cuddle together, that they'd been killed in the accident and they were dead. And the young man that was driving the car, uh, it, what happened actually, he ran into black ice. Now, black ice is something you can't see. And when you hit the black ice, you, you've lost all control of your car and you skid around and slide. And it slammed into the side of a a stone bridge with big thick stones on the edges of it and his car hit that and where he was sitting it ripped him to pieces nearly because of the seat belt mm. and they were up they were the the ambulance guys were trying to save his life at the time 
and the policeman came up to me who was looking at this situation. He said, what are you doing in here? And I said, well, I'm the, I'm the pastor that knows these kids. Oh, he said, would you step aside with me? And I said, yeah, okay. And he asked me for their names, etc. and I gave them to him. So what happens then, Dad? You've got how many kids in that car? Four. And uh, four of them, the, the driver didn't die immediately. They got him to hospital. Yep. And the policeman said, will you come to the hospital with me? He was a young buck. I mean, he hadn't uh, worked in this area before of any deaths. Mm-hmm. So he was pretty new, wet under the ears, I suppose. And he said, please come with me and support me. So I said, yeah, okay. So we went to Green Lane, I think it's called. That's Green right. Lane yep. Hospital in Auckland. And we got ushered in. Uh, and the policeman said, I'm going into the uh, room where he will be at the theatre. And uh, he did. About a quarter of an hour later, he came out and he said, it's all over. He said, you better come in and recognise this young fella for me mm. so that I know that I'm on track. Yeah. So I was let in. And here it was maybe 12, 14, something like that. Uh, all, I think, different kinds of surgeons that had come in in the middle of the night. Now, this is now, that's 2 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And uh, they were all standing there with a gloomy face because they had failed to save a life. They didn't answer me when I said, thanks for all you tried to do for this boy and save his life. I'm really grateful. And they just looked at me. They were just so sad that they'd lost the life of a young man about 19 or 20. Now, so that boy has died. The two in the back seat have died. What about the girl in the front? Well, surprising about that young lass. Uh, when the accident took place, she slid down into where her feet would normally be. Mm. And she was sort of crouched in that area crying, but very little hurt. And uh, she was able to uh, go to the camp and be just generally nurtured, you might say, because of the shock of it all. Mm. But there was no physical injury with her. So you're at the hospital. What did the policeman then ask you to do? Uh, The policeman said, now, we've got to go to the homes now and tell the people, tell the parents what's happened. Mm. Said, I've never done this either. Oh, I said, okay, I'll come with you. You'd so never, you'd never done this either. Not in a sense, no, no. no. Anyway, we uh, arrived at the first house. He banged on the front door. There was no reply. He banged a second time. There's still no reply. So he really rattled the door, and he banged the third time. And finally, there was a light that came on, and the father came to the door, and they had a chain on the door that would only allow the door to open about three inches and he peered out between the posts you might say and he said I'll come back tomorrow and uh, I pushed the policeman aside and said no can't do that we've got to come into your home now so he opened up and he said my son's been killed hasn't he and we had to say yes he has been killed well within a few seconds uh, the wife hears my voice I guess because she knew me rather well anyway, the mother, and she came out and she screamed in horror and she said, my son has been killed, hasn't he? Mm. And again, you have to say yes. Well, then the daughter, 15-year-old or thereabouts, came and stood at the doorway and she said, my brother has been killed. And You just cannot realise, I suppose, the pain mm. that is caused by death. 
Who took the funerals, Dad? Yeah, I did. What were they like? Uh, well, it was at the Brentwood Church in Auckland, and there was probably twelve or fifteen hundred people at it. They couldn't get in the church. They set up sound system outside where it reached around, and there were probably more people outside than inside. Mm. And I'd have to tell you that uh, those kids, one of them, the, the driver, we'll start with him, on the Friday morning, he said, Mum, I'm going to this Bible camp. He said, I, I really want to get a relationship with Jesus going. Mm. So he said, here's my tithe money he said, and offering money. He said, it's all in these jars. I want you to give it to the Lord in the church tomorrow on Sabbath. Mm. Uh, and uh, I haven't been good on doing it, but I want to make it right. Mm. Well, you know, I went to the next time. And uh, the young man there that had been killed, he'd come to his mum that morning, said, Mum, I've been a bit rough on you, haven't I, in the last month or two? You know, I've been calling you out for anything I can find wrong or think is wrong. Mm. I realise I've hurt you rather bad. Mm. And he put his arms around his mum and he said, I'm so, so sorry. And I'm, I won't be doing that anymore. I'm going to go to this Bible camp and try and find a relationship with the Lord Jesus. Mm. Well, you know, there were little things like that that popped out here and there. Yeah, it's almost like Jesus reassuring the parents that, hey, I got this, they they did move to me and try and giving them some peace in this difficulty. Well, when it came to the funeral, they wept like any other family would. Yeah. But they also knew that there was a saviour that was returning to this earth he was planning to take his children home. Mm. And these children that made their right moves, you might say, to be with Jesus and to be ready for his return, it's almost as if God was looking down on the future and could see it all. Mm. And uh, he was preparing not only the boys, but the, the parents for the crisis that lay before them. Mm. And months later, those parents were able to say, it made a huge difference to us to know that these boys had sort of turned a bit of a corner and they wanted to be ready for Jesus to come. Do you think it makes a difference when you, because you've been to many funerals, and I ask you this as our last question, Dad, do you think it makes a difference when you go to funerals to uh, take them and you you see the people there. Does it make a difference to them to know that the person who's died loves Jesus, had a born-again relationship with him and has a future? Does that make a difference at the funeral itself? Yes. Yes, it does. There's no uh, running away from the fact that, you know, we will weep. Yeah. And and that's a natural process, so we should. But joy will come in the morning, Yeah, the Scripture tells us. And when that joy comes, it will be immense it will be glory 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 we will see our loved ones again we will put our arms around our loved ones again we will share with them we'll walk with them into the kingdom everything is future but it's there for the taking and i would suggest to anybody and everybody that's listening to this program don't fool yourself that jesus is not real that jesus will not come he will come and he's going to come soon and when that is, he wants to come for you. Yeah. But you must choose him. He doesn't roll over the top of you and say, come on, you're going to be mine whether you like it or not. He knocks at the door of your heart and says, I will be your saviour. 
your Lord, your Lamb. I will be your Christ, and I love you, and I want you, and I'm preparing for you. So please, get ready. Know me as a, a glorious Saviour, and walk in my ways, and rejoice in my truths, and then have the joy of heaven with all your loved ones. What a great joy. What a great experience. The best in all the world. No other spot but to be with Jesus every day. Well, thank you for that, uh, Keith, Dad. I know you've yeah. uh, had many experiences where you've visited death, not not so much in your own life, but you've visited with others who have suffered losing people in death. You've taken many funerals. That probably is one of the most poignant, sobering stories uh, of your ministry, but it was wonderful that those three young people who perished knew Jesus and have a future, and we can have hope as we face these tragedies. So thank you very much, Dad, for joining us today, and I hope to talk to you again about some more stories in your ministry in the not-too-distant future. Yeah, God bless you. Have a good day. Thank you. You're listening to The Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. He's a good bloke, that dad of mine. Absolutely. I always like talking to him. He's full of wisdom. You know, one of the things I noticed about him as a youth leader and I think why he was so loved, it's something I don't do as as well actually either, Hunty, is he is a real one-on-one man. And so you you could have a a kid in Rockhampton because he worked a lot in South Queensland or someone out at Dolby Chinchilla Roma in June, what we were just talking about. Mm. He'd go out. Now, he's the youth leader of the entire conference. If that kid's in trouble, he'd go out to see that kid specifically. One kid. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's a beautiful man. Yeah, I know. He's a, he's a great one-on-one guy. Yeah, and, I, and I'm just saying because he's my dad and lifting him up high, he's, he's a man I really admire um, very much. You know, that that disaster where those three kids were killed, I, I can remember it. it was, I would have been, I think, 13 years old yep. when that happened, So, and I'm 57, so... Those kids that were killed would be in their 60s because they're a, a bit older than me now if they were still alive. That yep. shook New Zealand. Yep. That shook the church in New Zealand. Yep. When we had the funeral, the church was packed out. The car park was packed out. There were thousands of people trying to fit into this church yep. to say goodbye to these kids. And I think they were all between like 19 and 21. I remember it actually came across the ditch and we prayed in Wurunga Church for their families. Yeah, it, it it was it was just such one of the such a terrible thing. One of the one of the guys who got the driver actually was the big brother of one of my best mates at school, mm. and so I I got to see the pain and the trauma firsthand as this boy went through the loss of his brother, and, and he he was twelve or thirteen. The the boy that died was nineteen twenty, but it was an awful time. But I do remember, and the reason I asked Dad to share this story. As sad as it is, I do remember that through the gloom and the doom and the darkness of that awful event, and I can remember this as a 13-year-old kid, Hunty, yep. there was hope. And that's the big thing about Christianity, and it's the big thing that Jesus brings. There is hope. Yep. And if you've got hope, then the reality is, really, you've got everything, haven't you? Yes. There was just a especially, ma- especially in times of... Of bereavement. I mean, if you don't have hope, you're watching your loved one go into the ground, yeah. and that's it. Well, yeah. I, one of the things I like about being an Adventist pastor and preacher is when I go to do a funeral, and I do a few of them, yep, yep, as you know. I do. If you've got someone who loves Jesus and they've invited him into their hearts and they're born again, you know it's not the end. That's right. 
It, 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 it's uh, joyous to know it's not the end. It is. Mm. You know, it's a very sad event, and people are still weeping because there's going to be separation. But you know you're going to see that person again. And where it really counts and where it really comes down and is so important is when you bury a baby or a child or a young person like Dad did there. Yep. And by the way, that was not, in my Dad's youth career and youth ministry, that was not the only young person he died, he, he buried. He had a number die on him. Mm. And you know yourself, Hunty, we've had mates die. Well, we have, we have. Yeah, I, I had mates killed with motorcycles and all sorts of things. Yep, when same. I was, and so it's a wonderful thing to have Jesus and to have hope. I don't know, to tell you the truth, I don't know what you'd do without it, without Jesus. This next song from Sydney Wolverton, I like it, beautiful song, brought you here. Don't worry about everything around you, everything around you. And don't freak out if you don't feel me beside you. Just look up, I'm reminding you to sing a new song and let the rain clouds cry their tears of joy and dance all around you. Though a thousand may fall and dead may surround you, I have brought you Sydney Wolverton brought you here. Nice song, eh, Hunty? Wow. Yeah, I like that. I do. I uh, have been noticing, you know, as I said, Hunty, you uh, watch the news. I do. Channel 9. Channel 9 News. You're a bit of a 9 groupie, aren't you? I like my 9 News. You don't go across to 7. Not very often. No. 
Never ABC. Don't like don't like ten. Oh, okay. And I distrust the ABC. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a kind of. Oh, a, I'm joking. I'm sure they're fine. I, I actually like the ABC. I, I find they're actually. I think I said that just to stir you up. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you probably know I listen to the ABC yes. <laughs> when I'm in the car. Probably one. Of, it's, a, it's a radio station network news that I I kind of trust. Not not as much opinion, and I hope more news. But you know what I've been noticing in the news lately, and I'm experiencing it in my own life too with some of my friends. What's that? There seems to be an uptick, it's a big uptick, in those who are committing suicide. Yeah, I've noticed that too. I mean, I'm in the paper yesterday and here's a story of a 12, a 12-year-old girl, hunty, who's committed suicide, cyber bullying. And then mm-hmm. I get news just a, a, a few days ago that one of my mates, now he's not, a, he's not a, a child, he's not a teen, he's actually a few years older than me, he just committed suicide and it's not the first of my mates to commit suicide and you look at our culture you look at our society when some would argue we've really never had it so good we have these homes we live in we we go on holidays we're living in a good country everybody gets a chance if they want hunty in this country australia to get a good education really if you choose you can go as far as you you want can't you there's not really a lot holding you back yep And yet we're seeing our young people especially, more and more of them are are increasingly either trying suicide or suiciding. I was reading the other day that over a 1,000 people a week now in Australia are trying to suicide. I know that between the – and those those numbers are staggering. That's staggering. They're attempting suicide. I know that – between the ages of 5 and 17, a couple of years ago, over 100 kids, these are kids a year, would commit suicide. Wow. It's either cyberbullying yep. or pressure from school. You know, we do put a lot of pressure on our kids with school. Uh, look, I think, I think kids are under tremendous pressure. There's extracurricular activities, there's dance, there's football and cricket and sport and music and drama. Then there's Duke of Edinburgh, then there's homework and then there's church. And that, and that, well, <laughs> I'm not sure too many Aussie kids are into church, actually. But then you see the, the the time they're spending on the internet in games. Yes. And you wonder what influenced yes. that. Because these games, they're, they're watching and they're playing, you know, hour after hour after hour. A lot of them are really dark. Yes. They're about mayhem. They're about blood. They're yep, about death. rape and death and, mm. and all these awful things. Yep. But our kids are getting to a point where... It almost seems there's less resilience in them today, Hunty, than... Am I going too far? No, I, I, I hear the resilience seems to be lower in our children. Yeah. And, and you wonder, when you look at it, what is actually going on out there? Because I think our generation, yeah, our generation's not really... We're not seeing the signs in our kids, are we? Did we damage resilience when we started handing out awards to everyone who plays soccer on, on Sunday? Both teams, yeah, you get a participation award, no one wins. Did we start killing resist- resilience when we stopped giving out awards and everyone everyone gets a participation prize? Look, I think you might have a point. But the other thing I think is, too, increasingly Aussie kids are being brought up without Jesus. That's true. That's and the factor. Jesus is a crutch, isn't he? He's, he is, for me, everything in my world. P- people get offended when I say that, that Jesus is a crutch, but I think that's how it meant, it's meant to be. Of course. Jesus knows that... Life on this world is tough, and it's it's almost anti-life, isn't it? Where people, do, do you know what I mean? Well, the great counterfeiter, Satan, that, that, that's his goal, 
is to take our real life and flush it down. Yeah, and make it make it so bad and make it put you in a, such a dark place that you, you can't see the future. That's right. I, I've never been suicidal, but I did get to a place in my marriage breakup where I went into a room, a dark room, deep down in my heart, where for the first time in my life I recognised how you could easily become suicidal. You know, when your life is not going how yep. you want, yep. when you don't seem to see no way out and the, the darkness is ahead of you. It, 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 the, one of the worst things I ever heard you tell me was Christmas Day. When you said you sat alone out at your farm. Yeah. I wasn't alone. I was with Lucky. Oh, your dog, yeah. But I thought to myself, wow, I just lost your wife and and I guess effectively your family. Yeah. And you're on Christmas Day, you're sitting by yourself. I did that for two or three years in a row. So I know what it's like to be alone. I know what it's like to go in that dark room. And I know what it's like to to call out to Jesus. Yep. And not feel like your prayer's going any further than the ceiling. There's also someone else you can call out to in Australia. Yeah, well, before we go there, what I would say this, and, and what Hunty's about to tell you is very important. When it comes to Jesus, if you're in a dark place, I would encourage you, and, and I'm not saying this is the complete answer because I think what Hunty's about to share with us is very important. But with Jesus, get yourself in his presence. Even though you might not feel like it, if you're in a dark place, read your Bible. And if you can't read your Bible, go on to Bible Gateway or one of these online Bible programs, yep. Hunty. They're everywhere. Gateway's a great one. Yeah, and just listen to the Bible. Go to the Psalms. That guy knows what depression. David knew what depression sure, was all about. Sure. Go to the Psalms and listen to the Psalms or listen to the Proverbs or go to the stories of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke or John. And just sit and quietly listen and get yourself in the presence of Jesus. If you can't read, listen. And the other thing I say to people, and I encourage them, if you're in a dark place, get to church. Of course. In ch- with church, you're around other people. You're fellowshipping. Yep. Uh, fellowshipping is very important when you're in these dark places. Yep. Friends, believers, other people, they help. Well, not always, but they should help to bring you out. Of course. Especially if you're hanging around people who belong to yep. Christ. Go to church, make a friend. But sometimes you even need more help than that. Yep. And we want to encourage you today, if you're in a dark place, if you feel suicidal, God forbid, remember that you matter. You are loved. You're loved by God. And believe it or not, you're loved by many others. But go and get some help. And if you need help, where do you go, mm-hmm. Auntie? Suicide is definitely not the answer. The damage and the, and the, and the problems you leave behind far, far exceed the, the, what you think you might get from suicide. So here is what I suggest. If you, if you're low and you need help, call Lifeline 131114. Again, Lifeline, they're there to help. They're trained. They know what to do. 131114. Or you can go to Beyond Blue. Yes. 1300 224 636. That again, Beyond Blue. 1300 224 636. You can go online to com, and they actually have people there who will chat online with you straight up. So remember, you are loved. You you are important. Yes. Jesus loves you. You are so important. Don't do anything silly. Go and get help. God bless you. You're listening to The Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. 
Well, some pretty heavy subjects today, Hunter. Yeah, it's been a heavy program so far. <laughs> it has been. Whew. I think we'll have some music. Yes, please. <laughs> this is Anders Vance, and he's a good friend of ours, isn't he? He's is a good bloke, yeah. Young pastor. Yeah, he's just starting a music ministry, and he's now touring on, on, uh, for churches. Yeah. Doing his music singing and his Fa- ministry. Fantastic and young fellow, beautiful voice. You get a chance to hear him and see him, you should. Yeah, really good musician. Yeah. Uh, and this song, Gone Are the Days, it's one of my favourite songs that he sings. Let's listen to it, Hunty, and let's lift ourselves up a bit. Yes, great idea.
I'm not all on my own. I'm not on my own. Gone are those days. Really nice music. Mm-hmm. Really enjoyed that. Thank, thanks, Anders. Have we had Anders on here yet? No, we should. Yeah, we need to do we an interview do. with we Anders. We should. You know, Hunty, I'm one of those pastors. I'm pretty upfront. Is that yep. the way of us Queenslanders, I think? You are up front. Yeah, I think it's the way of us Queenslanders. We're kind of pretty open, honest people. And I think it's really important, and I'll say this to our listeners, I think it's really important to go to church every week. It bothers me when I look at what's happening in Australia where you've increasingly got the population drifting away from church. And so I want to just spend a little bit of time today talking about my church, New Hope Seventh-day Adventist Church. And the reason I want to talk about New Hope Seventh-day Adventist Church is because I want to encourage you to go to church, to go to church on Sabbath. Now, I think New Hope is actually just a tiny little window into every Adventist church here in Australia. But I can only talk about New Hope because I'm the pastor of New Hope, aren't you? are. That's where I go to church every Sabbath. It's where I'm preaching at least 50% and probably more of the time. Yeah, so this church is very important to me. I think it began... Uh, Jen, uh, February 28, 2015. Yes, I like that day. And we reckon we lost a year last year. So we're about six years old. There so you go. We're a new church. We're about 150 to 200 people yep. most Sabbaths. Yep. yep. But we worship in a church that's or maybe a, a thousand seats hunting. Yep. Somewhere around there. So you can imagine 200 of us in a thousand seat church. There's plenty of room for social distancing. And the worship there. Is very, very important. Very important. And one of the things our church likes to do is we like to sing. That's it. Now, Hunty's, he's been busting. I have. To, yes, he's sitting here with his hand I, on the... I grabbed this clip last yes, week from church. He's ready to turn it up because he wants you to hear what it sounds like at I New do. Hope. But this this is pretty accurate, accurate of what we do at New Hope. This is New Hope in song. Well, it is accurate because it's yeah, from church last up. Saturday, yeah. Last Saturday, yeah, is last it? Saturday, okay, yeah. Let's have a little listen. Sure. This is a singing we do at New Hope. That's it.
you kind of get a little sense and a little feel of what it's like when we're in church singing. I reckon, Hunty, when we're singing, it's one of the best times oh, yeah. of our worship oh, service. Definitely. And most Sabbaths, when, and I say Sabbaths because as Adventists, that's what we call Saturday, the Sabbath. We go to church on the seventh day, the Sabbath, which is the biblical day that God calls us to come together like this and to worship Him. You can worship God on every any day and every day, and you should. Yep. But we come together to worship uh, together on the Sabbath. And when we're singing, man, sometimes, almost every Sabbath I have an experience with Jesus when we're singing, and it kind of makes the tears come to my eyes. And you feel like, yeah, you kind of feel like you're in heaven, don't you? Oh, yeah. And it's beautiful. I can barely talk now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hunty's an emotional guy. A little I bit am. more emotional than me. A lot. <laughs> um, and he doesn't get a lot of time to worship actually because he's on the, he's on the, the tech team, leading right. the tech team, right. uh, making sure everything goes. But we have these most beautiful times of worship, of singing. And, and, it, and it is glorious. And I'm going to say it again. It's a little window. This is what worship on Sabbath is about. It's a little window into heaven's why it's so important, Hunty. Yep. 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 But we don't just sing. That's right. Right. We have at our church and most Adventist churches here in Australia, we have Bible teaching yep. and we have Bible preaching. We do. And if you come to New Hope, praise the Lord, it's not Lloyd. He is not the only one who's <laughs> preaching at that church. In fact, I try to bring in, I, I preach probably, I, I think, 50 to 60% of the time. Yes. No, you'd be surprised. Okay. Yeah, well, I go through it and I, it, it is only around 50 to 60%, often under that. I suppose if you, we have three services. We do. We have one that starts at 10. Yep. Now, I usually do do that one, so you're right, Hunty. Yep. I'm wrong. <laughs> I'm, I'm usually the one preaching at 10. Yep. Then we have, but that's a Bible teaching yes. time, isn't yes. it, really? And then 11.15, so that goes 10 to 11. Yep. And the kids are out doing, what do you call Sunday school? Yeah, yeah. We, it's not Sunday. We call it Sabbath it's, it's Bible, school. It's Bible school for kids. Yeah, Bible school for kids. Yep. And we have the kids all split up. So you have uh, yeah, different age groups. Cradle roll. Yep. Kindy. Yep. Do you know it? Yep. Primary, Primary junior, junior. Early teens. Yep. Teens, yeah, yeah, teens. And then youth. And then youth. Yep. So we have them all split up. Then we have a Bible study class for those who like yep, Bible study class for the adults yep. in the foyer. Yep. And then in the church, we do teaching for what I call new believers or seekers or people who are interested in, in Jesus. Yep. Uh, and that's the 10 o'clock service. Then at 11.15, so that goes from 10 to 11. Then we have a 15-minute break, and then we're back in for what we call the main worship service. And that's when everybody comes together. It's really cool, isn't it? Absolutely. And I, and I think that that music you recorded there from last Sabbath, that was probably in the second service? Or second the program, the 11.15 program. The 11.15 yep. program. But we do sing in both. We do. And in that 11.15, we even have a time for the kids in that 11.15 yep. program, don't yep. we? we do. Yeah. And, but, uh, and we have some singing. And we have preaching. Yeah, we do. I want to share with you just a segment of my, I reckon, Hunty, this is my favourite preacher I've ever had. Well, this is from last Saturday as well. Yep. And I want this guy to come back. Yeah, me too. He's in America at the moment. But we, and last Sabbath we had him on video. That's right. But we want him to come back. He's been to New Hope. Now, we're a church. Remember how big I said we are? Yeah, a couple of hundred. 50, maybe yep. 200 on a good day. Yep. But when this guy comes to preach, how many turn <laughs> <That's> up? <full. laughs> a thousand people. Yeah. I want yep. you to listen to this guy just for a couple of minutes because this is the sort of preaching yep. you're going to get yep. in Seventh day Adventist churches every Sabbath. Thanks, for sure. Help. There is no shame in getting a third party to come in and sort of evaluate, say, hey, here's a tool, 
to analyze, say, hey, you could have done this a little better. There's no shame in that at all. Getting counselor from a professional, getting counsel from a professional is time well spent. And I know that men in particular are, are averse to this. For every 10 times I've told somebody, you guys should get marriage counseling, I've heard eight times the woman say, well, I've asked him to, well, I've asked him to, well, I'm willing to, and the man will, the man will say, not interested, don't want to do it, not interested. Well, part of the reason is that the man thinks his marriage is an eight, and the woman says it's a four. So what do you need to fix? It's not broken. What do we need to fix? I want to tell you, especially men, being unwilling to get help when you need it is not a sign of strength. It's actually a show of adolescent weakness. If you need help, if you are up against a brick wall and you are not making progress in your marriage, or worse yet, if your marriage is regressing, it's unlikely that you will be able, just the two of you together, to figure it out. If you're to the place of dysfunction, you need help. And there's no shame in that. There's no shame at all in that. I love Timothy Keller here, The Meaning of Marriage. The reason that marriage is so painful and yet wonderful is because it is a reflection of the gospel which is painful and wonderful at once. The gospel is this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. And yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. That's David Asherick preaching mm. up a storm at mm. New Hope on video, I'll tell you, last week. Yep. So we had him coming across the, the airwaves, but he's preaching up a storm. He'll be there this week again too, Hunter. He will. He's yep. going to be talking about yep. creation. Uh, and every Sabbath, every Saturday, we have at 10 o'clock and then 11.15, these two services. I reckon, I'm a bit biased, but it's inspiring. Oh, yeah. And you know, I, I work hard. I work, I work really hard sometimes on a Sabbath day at church. You do. But one of the reasons I encourage you to go to church and to try it, if you've never tried it, just try it. I get Aussies. I know that we're not a church people. I get it. I know it. I know we'd rather be at the football sitting down watching our favorite footy team run around. By the way, the Broncos won last week. Oh. <laughs> That's my team. Uh. We love. Our footy, we love our sport, and church is the furthest thing away from it. But I'll tell you what, when you go to church and you sing and you pray and you're doing it with other believers and you're listening to sermons and Bible studies from preachers like David Ashrick, it does something to your wounded, broken, hurt soul. And Jesus, he will heal you. I've gone to church broken, wounded, mm. bruised and battered. Mm. I've had to preach in both services, but I always leave church better than when I went in, healed, compared to how I went in, because I'm having an experience with Jesus, with other believers. It's so, so powerful, hunty. Yep. So when church finishes around 12.30 at mm -hmm. New Hope, now I know this is the case for many, many other churches around Australia, Adventist churches around Australia, but this is a tradition, a good tradition. It is. That we do at New Hope. I love it. What do we do, Hunty? We do lunch. We do fellowship lunch. Mm. And if you're visiting, bring nothing. Just bring yourself. Bring yourself. And stay for fellowship lunch. What happens is all the church members, we bring a plate, not just for ourselves, but for everybody else. We join it all in together, and man, do we have a feast. feast indeed. And it is fellowship. It is sweet, sweet fellowship with other believers. Now, our church, pretty much the Adventist church, is vegetarian. But That's there right. are a lot That's of right. people who are Adventists who are not vegetarian. True. But, Hunty, I'm actually one of those 
probably an increasing minority of Adventists. I actually am vegetarian. Are you 100%? Pretty much. Really? Yeah, you won't see me eating meat very much. Uh, now and again, I might have a little bit of fish, oh, but... Now and again. Yeah, no, nah, I'm not... How about the occasional parmigiana? Would you ever touch that? Don't like it. Don't like it, okay. No. Nah. And, and all the more so since I got... um Diabetes. Oh, yeah, I can't true. touch that stuff. True, true. It just, yeah. No, I'm vegetarian. I'm actually more than that. I'm even close to vegan, mate. Wow. Yeah. That's commitment. I, no, it's not commitment. It's are, you, are you eating cruciferous vegetables? Yeah, I eat them. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly what they are <laughs> yeah. too. I, I think isn't that spinach and yeah, I've got your, air freshener. your greens and all that <laughs> sort of sort of sort of stuff. Yeah, no, I love um, beautiful veggies and that that God made. But but I look. You don't have to be vegetarian. That's got nothing to do with going to heaven. No. But I'll tell you what, um, our lunches, which are vegetarian, are beautiful. Fantastic. Yeah. Plus, you get to, you get to sit here and relax, chat with people. Yeah. Yeah. Look, it's, it's a great time at church and we love, we would love to have you come. Can and I put a plug in for where we are? Well, I was going to say, we'd love to, for you to come and visit at an Adventist church anywhere. Of but course. if you're in northwest Sydney, I know, yes. I know Hunty is just busty. I am busty. <laughs> give it, give your plug, Hunty. Okay. It's a thousand seat church. You can sneak in, have a look, make sure that you like us. We're 357 Windsor Road Vineyard, New South Wales. Easy to find. Big church with a red top. Plenty of parking. Beautiful people. Come and join us. And if you can't get to New Hope, any Seventh Avenue Church on Saturday. I reckon if you Google online, you'd always find one within ten minutes of where you live. Yeah, there's lots of ministry. There are, yeah. and you'll have a good time. You will. And if you don't have a good time, contact me, and I'll I'll ring the pastor and make sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only joking. <laughs> no, you have a good time. The the people are beautiful. Our doors are open, and we are welcoming you. We are welcoming you, Australia, to church on Sabbath, Saturday morning, nine thirty for most churches. For a few like ours, ten, 10 a.m. Yep. God bless you. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Okay, I think we need to go straight into another song, Hunty. We do. <sighs> Seem to be doing a lot of talking today, mate. <laughs> this is this is another mate of mine, Greg. It's talk radio. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not used to talk radio. Greg Pillay, this guy's a pastor. We've had him on the show before. A good guy, beautiful singer, washed by his blood.
want to welcome to our program today, Harold Harker. Welcome back, my friend. Good morning, Lloyd. It's great to talk to you. Now, before we get into this amazing story of a man called Polycarp, I want to just uh, ask you a couple of questions about your past life. Uh, just remind us, because you've been on the program a few times, and you did mention that one of the important parts of your job was to lead what I'd call education trips, tours, around Europe and, and the Bible lands. Is that correct? That's right, Lloyd. I, I went through Europe myself looking for all the great places where big events took place in the Reformation and in Bible lands, and I said our pastors and people should know that, and so I led what we would call an educational tour showing what happened and where it happened and how it affected the church. And so I've done about 24 of those. And that would be in Europe and the Middle East, is that right? Europe, Middle East, all the Bible lands, yes. What sort of people would be going on those tours with you? Mainly pastors, but there are also church members who said, we're interested in how God's hand has been shown in history, and they came as well. So as the pastors and the teachers and the sometimes church members would walk with you through Europe and the stories of the Protestant Reformation and through the, the Bible lands and walk in the footsteps of Jesus, did you find it made a difference to their lives and their walks with Jesus as they went back to serve? It sure does. It makes everything come alive. You can imagine just what happened. It happened in this place or in that place, and it just brings it to life in their mind when they read that story again. Yeah, look, I'm actually a wit. I've been twice with you. I'm a witness to this. I went on a Reformation tour many, many years ago. Uh, you probably don't remember me, but I remember you well, Pastor, as you led us around in your bright shirt. Um, yeah. Actually, my wife came to meet us in Scotland. Uh, I, I never, right. for, oh yeah, I never forget that. Anyway, that was a wonderful time. But I think the most moving time I had with you was when you took uh, our producer director here, Andrew Hunt, and me to Israel to run a series, to film a series, Israel and Jordan. That was amazing. It is. We'd love to do another one. Let's hope it opens up again soon, Lord. Well, you know what? I can tell you this, that Hunty and I have both had our first inject AstraZeneca injection through Hunty. Absolutely. And uh, he had his last Monday. I had mine last Friday. We were both... Uh, uh, I think I might have suffered worse from the after effects of it, Hunty, than you. Would that be... Uh, I don't know. Well, he's had the flu, so he doesn't know. No, I don't know exactly. <laughs> yeah. So have you had your have you had your injection yet, Pastor? I had mine a month ago and had a flu one on Friday. Okay, so you haven't had your second one yet? No, coming up in a couple of months. So we're all getting ready to go. Sure. And the way things are... With uh, Israel having injected, the, you know, they've had a big vaccination yep. injection program in Israel. Yep. We may be able to go back there sooner than we thought. Let's hope we can. Yeah, we do. Now, now this story today for Polycarp, it doesn't come from Israel, but it does come from over that way. Um, tell us, who was Polycarp? Polycarp was a, a person who became a Christian. He lived in what was called Smyrna. Now, if you read the book of Revelation, it has seven churches. Smyrna is the second one after Ephesus. And John was the disciple of Jesus who was the pastor, if you like, of Ephesus. And Smyrna was just a little to the north. And Polycarp got to know John and he lived in Smyrna. It's now called Izmir in Turkey. Do, do you know how far Smyrna and Ephesus are apart? Are you talking what, 
five, ten miles? Well, if you were driving in the car, it'd be 30, 45 minutes or something. Not that far apart. Okay. And it was, yeah. So, so Polycarp is an old man. No, Polycarp is a young man. John is the old man. And John trains Polycarp. Is that what you're saying? That's right. John was the youngest disciple of Jesus when he joined him. He was only about 17, and he was the only one who died a natural death, even though he'd been through all sorts of troubles. But he was nearly 90 or so, and Polycarp would have been about 20. So for the last four or five years, he trained under Polycarp. Imagine talking to John, who'd been with Jesus and lived for all those years after it. Well, we know how important John is to the gospel. I mean, this is a this is a man what started following Jesus sixteen or seventeen, wrote the book of John, wrote the book of Revelation, wrote the book of First, Second, Third John. Um, he's he's a giant in the early Christian he church. Was. Yeah. What about Polycarp? He became a giant too in Christianity because he got that dedication from being with John. So he, this is a man, Polycarp, a young man in his 20s, uh, John, an old man in his 80s, maybe early 90s. This is, he was, he's trained under him. He would have known the Bible fairly well. He did. In fact, Polycarp was trained in the Bible. John knew the Bible. But when John finished writing Revelation, Polycarp wrote a letter to another church, the Philippians, and he quotes from all the Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament. In fact, let me tell you this, there are those who say from history, Polycarp was the guy who put all the New Testament books together and made them now canon. That's how much he knew of it. Well, he was really important. He is really important to the Christian movement. He was a giant of that end of the first century into the second century. I'm interested, and this is a genuine question, if he's into the Bible so much, even arguably put the New Testament canon together, was he a Sabbath keeper? Yes, he was. In that first century, the the Christians in Ephesus and Smyrna and so on were Sabbath-keeping. And we have historians who tell us William Cannon was the guy, William Cave, who said the Sabbath on Saturday was held by those in Smyrna in great veneration, along with the eastern parts of the church, totally honoured. They were Sabbath-keepers and... and Polycarp would have been one too. Yeah, fabulous. Now, he's working as a pastor, I'm imagining. Is that right? He be, he's trained right. under John, so he becomes a pastor in Smyrna. Smyrna. Uh, yeah. A bishop, I think, is the word, isn't it? But That's right. That, that just he means was, pastor, doesn't it? It's the leader of the church for that place, yes. So the church in Smyrna, was it working in good times or bad times? And what I mean by that, were, were they working, because it, it was different back then, uh, it could be quite hostile. The early Christian church, they suffered great hostility at times. Was this a good area or a bad area for the Smyrna, for the church to be working in? Well, by the time you come, he lived into the second century, uh, and there was persecution. Domitian was a great Caesar who persecuted Christians right across the Roman Empire and he would make them give worship to Caesar and not to Jesus Christ and so if you were caught being a Christian you were told come and give your worship to Caesar Mm. call him Lord Mm. and if you don't it's death 
and they persecuted a lot of people right through that early second century. So Polycarp's working in a fairly hostile environment. He was. In fact, he had to hide quite a bit toward the end of his life. He would hide. He'd go and sleep in one house for a couple of nights, then go to different and different ones so the authorities couldn't find him. So this is when he's 85, 86 years of age. He's not retired to a rest home. He's running around trying to escape uh, the Emperor Domitian soldiers and, and authorities who, who want to persecute him. Is that right? That's true. So it's fair to say, Harold, he's working in a very hostile, a very dangerous environment. Well, the Roman Caesars wanted people to worship them. They could have other gods, but you had to worship Caesar. And they would send people particularly to the Christians who refused to do that. And uh, the Jews hated the Christians, so they were on their own always being attacked and pointed out that's a Christian and if you were caught, you either had to give Caesar your worship or you would be put to death. Did Polycarp have to flee or was he okay? No, he had to flee. In fact, if you stayed in your own house, they'd catch you the next day. So he kept moving from place to place and they hopefully they didn't catch him. So he's 86 years of age and he's on the run. That's not a good retirement, is it? <laughs> I'm hoping for something <laughs> a little bit more restful. Uh, did, that, did the soldiers of, uh, of the Caesars ever find him? Yes, they did. They came across him, and when they caught him, they amazing things happened. He said, the Lord's will be done. And he greeted these soldiers with a kind and friendly greeting. And then he says to them, will you give me a couple of hours to pray? And guess what? They did. They must have recognised he was a person who would be honour his word. But do you know what he did then, next Lord? Uh, tell us. I'm interested. <laughs> he said to his household, get these soldiers a good meal. Oh. I've got to pray. Oh. And he fed them while he's praying. Wow. That must have had some impact on them. I'm amazed the soldiers even let him pray. Usually they just grab well, you and drag you off. They did. Well, they put him in a cart and took him towards the the great arena where people would be shouting for his death. This is amazing too. It seems that he was captured pretty much at the same time that they've got one of these big games on in the local arena there in Smyrna. Yep. So they take him. They take him in, and what happens when he gets there? Well, when he gets there, they give him a chance again to swear by Caesar and deny Christ. But they threw him. They what, threw him out, didn't they? Of the even before well, that, on the on the way in the in the in the uh, uh, as he's being taken, he's kicked out of the chariot and he injures his legs on the way in. So here he is, eighty six years of old, old age. He's injured. He's dragged into this. Colosseum, is that what you call a Colosseum? Yes. Yeah. That'll do. Yeah, yeah. He's injured and he's dragged in before hundreds and thousands of people. That's right. And they're baying for his blood. Which is incredible, isn't it? Because he would have been nothing but a blessing to the city of Smyrna. Well, when he gets there and the soldiers say, okay, deny Jesus Christ and swear by Caesar. Yep. And his reply, it, it just hits me every time I read yeah. it. Yeah. He says, 80 and six years have I served him, and he never did me any harm. How can I blaspheme my king and saviour who saved me? Bring forth what you want. 
So what did they do to him? Well, they had the, the crowd were baying for him to be torn apart by lions, but the one in charge of the whole show said, no, burn him. Now, they were going to nail him to the, to the, to the stake, is that correct? That's right. They started to, and he says, no, leave me as I am. The one who gives me strength to bear the fire will hold me there. So they just tied his hands behind his back. Now, he asked to pray again. Yes, he asked to pray, and they let him pray. And he prayed again to Jesus for what he'd done for him. And it's a marvelous prayer. But, you know, as soon as he says amen, they lit the fire. And he was consumed. Well, it seemed to be that the fire missed him and around him, and the crowd say, spear him. Yeah. Put your sword through him. When they put the sword through him, is it true that the blood that gushed out of him almost put the fire out, or is that just legend? No, well, that's the story of the martyrdom of Polycarp, but it said it almost put the fire out, and then they demanded burn him as well. So he's dead, but they still make sure he's burnt to ashes. That's right. What amazes me me about that is it's not just the local secular Gentile people who are after him. The local Jewish people were, were, were all a part of it and helping to burn him as well. Is that correct? Well, Lloyd, this day when he was burnt was a Sabbath. Yep. And the Jews who don't work on Sabbath were glad to go and collect wood and make put the wood there. So that's how much they hated him. What do you think it is when you look at these old um, Christian um, missionaries, Christian pastors, those who started the work in these times, what do you think it is that would stir the population up about Jesus Christ and Christians? Why would they be so incensed? Well, they were giving their worship. Worship was the big thing to Jesus, the God who made them and who redeemed mm. them. And yet they were asked to give their worship to Caesar and to be part of any other God but Christian. And they hated them for that. It's almost uh, a satanic, almost a, a satanic influence underlying it, isn't it? It is. Because these it Christians, is. the early Christian church was peaceful. These people would bring blessings and honesty and hard work and even loyalty to the government. Yes, that's right. And yet they were so hated. It's almost like Satan was in amongst them, stirring them up and killing good men and women because thousands, not thousands, millions and millions of people have died in the Christian movement to advance the cause of Jesus, haven't they? They have, and Polycarp was a witness to his Lord in his life and in his death. Yeah, you do wonder whether those soldiers that arrested him and and saw him pray, both when he was arrested and just before he was executed, all the people in that vast amphitheatre baying for his blood, you wonder how many of them found Jesus as a result of the witness of the well, old man Polycarp. Many of them must have because the historians then said the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church and when one died, others would become Christians in their place. And so it must have affected them. You couldn't help but be impressed by this person with their faith and their calm assurance 
in their God. Well, it's one of the great stories, and I thank you for it, Harold. Maybe one last question. When you look at the story of Polycarp, and you tell it yourself as you go around uh, different churches and different groups, what do you think we in the 21st century living in Australia are a long, long way from Smyrna? What can we learn from the story of Polycarp? Lloyd, whether we're living in times of persecution like Polycarp did or whether we're living in a place where Christianity may not be the big thing as it is in Australia, as it was, the big thing is, has Jesus saved you? If he saved you, what are you going to do? Will you give your life to him? Will you make him first in your life? And I believe if you do that, he says, I'll be with you always. I'll never leave you. Yeah, that's a beautiful thought to end this on, that as Polycarp's body was consumed by the flames as they thrust the spear into his body right beside him, suffering with him, giving him strength and courage was Jesus. Right. I've just given us an example of what the gospel can do in the life of a person who accepts it and says, Jesus is mine. In some ways, Polycarp followed his master Jesus into death, didn't he? Amen. And one day there will be a resurrection and Polycarp will rise young and full of life and eternity and he will be reunited with his Jesus for whom he suffered. And I'd like to talk with him. Yeah, me too. He'll be reunited with Jesus for whom he suffered so much. Thank you, uh, Pastor Harker, for that that wonderful story. And I look forward to talking to you again. Uh, more stories from the Reformation and from history that inspire us to follow Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lloyd. God bless. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Harold Harker's got a lot of good stories, hasn't he? He does. I don't know anyone who's got more stories than that guy, and they're always interesting, and they always yeah, he vary. knows them so well. Yeah, and they're yeah. very inspiring, aren't they? Indeed. Yeah, now it's almost time to ask the Aussie pastor. It is. Um, if you've got any question, any question at all yep. that you'd like to ask, and some questions have been coming in today. Yeah, we've got a few. Yeah, yep. we thank God for that. There's a couple of good ones there, mate. But, yeah, there are. some. One of them is <laughs> one of the best questions <laughs> I think I've ever seen. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah. Oh, no, it's a good one. It's a good one. Um, if you've got any questions, though, you want to send it in, Hunty? Yes. Okay, the number is for SMS or text 0488 880 Or you can email them, info at aussiepastor.com. The number again, 0488 880851 or info at com. Thanks, Hunty. Yep. Uh, you get those questions in and yep. we will do our best to answer them. This next song, we're going to move straight on to. Okay. It's called Ring the Bells of Heaven. Yep. It's from a uh, college or a school called Fountain View in Canada. Now, I would like to send my youngest son to this school. That'd be awesome for him. Sp- yeah, because he is, my youngest son is a brilliant violinist. He's very talented. Yeah, he doesn't take after me at all, does he? <laughs> <laughs> Not in any sense. Well, he preaches well I, too. Yeah, he does. I, I don't that's, have a, that's all you. a single musical bone in my body, but he's a brilliant violinist. He is. And I'd like to send him there to the school to do year 11 and 12 because they put out such beautiful music. Send your donations too. <laughs> <laughs> And so this is um, Fountain View Choir, the choir of the college, a secondary college in Canada, and they're actually pretty much world famous for their music. I think you like this.
See the Father meets him out upon the way, welcoming his weary wandering child. Glory, glory, how the angels sing. Glory, glory, how the loud hearts ring. Tis the ransomed army like the mighty sea, healing forth the anthem of the free. Ring the bells of heaven. Yes, the soul is rescued from his sinful way And is born a new and ransomed child Glory, glory, how the angels sing Glory, glory, how the loud hearts ring the ransomed army like the mighty sea Healing forth the anthem of the Today, angels swell the glad triumphant strain. Tell the joyful tidings, bear it far away, for a precious soul is born again. The ransomed army, like a mighty sea, a mighty sea, Auntie, that's Fountain View Choir from Fountain View College in Canada. That was magnificent. They are all kids. Yeah, wow. Under 18. Very yeah, clever. 10, 11, and 12. Massive. And they're probably some of the best musicians, amongst kids anyway, yep, yep. in the North American church. Mm, very And that good. school is very, very special. And if you want to listen to more of their music, like I do, just go onto YouTube. You know, I love YouTube, Hunty. Yes. And look up Fountain View Choir or Fountain View College and you'll hear some of the most beautiful music you can hear online. Well, Hunty? Yes. It's come time for Ask the Aussie Pastor. Have we got any questions? We do. We've got a comment too from a few days ago. I guess it might be a hangover from last week's program. Okay. I haven't but seen I, the comment. So. Well, is it a comment or is it a question? Okay. Uh, when I hear people say spirit, body and soul, I think of us as spirit gifted with the breath of life into our body, formed of dust of the ground and making us a living soul according to Genesis 2-7. Oh, yeah, it's, a, it's a comment. Yeah, well, look, Genesis 2-7 is very clear that what is a living soul? Well, it's two things. You get the breath of life from God and then you've got the body. This is Genesis 2-7. You put the breath of life from God together with the body and you've got a living soul. So when people say, oh, when I die my soul goes to heaven, well, no, it doesn't. 
because the soul is the breath of life, got yep. that, yep. plus the body. Now, your body doesn't go to heaven, we know that, because you can see the body, so nor does your soul, because part of your soul is your body. The breath of life from God, Yep, that's when he breathes into your life. Yep. And also the body, living soul. A good comment, though. Good comment, yeah. Yep. So I've um, got a question from uh, from either Cheryl or Cheryl. Yep. Wondering why God allowed Jesus to suffer all that he went through before being crucified. Now, that is the best question we've had yet. Wow. So, Cheryl, if you're listening, and I'm guessing you are because you sent the question in, <laughs> yes. that is a beauty. Well done. Wondering why God allowed Jesus to suffer all he went through before being crucified. Because what Jesus was doing, and I'm going to give you a simple short answer, but we're going to do a whole Bible study on this shortly, Auntie. Cool. What Jesus was doing is he was paying the price for sin. Do you get that? Yeah. He's paying the yep. price for sin. It was death. And that death, that Jesus' death, we kind of don't get this. It didn't start when he was nailed to the cross. It started the night before in Gethsemane when the sins of the world were put upon him and he actually, when the sins of the world, that's our sins, it's your sins, auntie, and there's been some deuces, hasn't there? There's a lot of them, sadly. My sins, and you know a bit about my life. I do. Hasn't been all good. Your sins, the listener, the sins of every person who's ever lived were put upon Jesus so he could take them to the cross and pay the penalty for them. The moment those sins were put upon him in Gethsemane, auntie, he starts to die. Right. Did you know that? And an angel had to come down. You go and read the, the story, the narrative in, in, in the Bible. And the angel came down and strengthened him so he could even get to the cross. Yep. He's having an allergic reaction to sin. Yep. My daughter has allergic reactions to peanuts. Did you know that? I did not. Which yeah. daughter? Ha- uh, Danae. Oh, wow. Hannah Danae. I always get those two mixed up. I only got two, two daughters, and I mm. get them mixed up all the time. Mm. Um, Danae, my youngest one, has an allergic reaction to peanuts. So she eats anything. It's not a fatal reaction. She doesn't need an EpiPen or anything, but she'll break out. And mm. Actually, Hunty, you have a few allergic reactions to food. Oh, my goodness. Food. Don't start me. Yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> I, can, <laughs> I can buy Hunty, and this is the truth, a vegetarian burger. Yes. And he has an allergic reaction yes, to it, correct? that's right. Yeah, every time. Every time. I can buy him a flavoured milk. Oh, that'll <laughs> set me off for a, quite a few hours. Does it stop you from drinking them? Not as often as it should. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus has an allergic reaction to sin. He starts to die in the garden because he's paying the price of sin. It wasn't just on the cross. It was from Gethsemane. The moment sin was put onto, onto him all the way to the cross until he died, said it is finished, he was paying the price. That's the price of sin, and it's serious, and sometimes we wipe that away and think, well, sin's not a big deal. Jesus will forgive it. Yes, he will, but he paid an enormous price to on the mm. cross but before the cross yep. to pay for our sins. Uh, so I see Jesus' death starting Gethsemane on Thursday night and concluding Friday afternoon. So it was he, he was he was dying the best part of almost 24 hours. Yep. yep. Paying the price for our sins. Okay, Hunty, next one. Yeah, this next question seems to have come right out of the the, the most recent news. Yep. Do Jews or Israelis biblically have sole right to the land of Israel? Oh, that's a big one, isn't Whew. it? <laughs> I think we need a Bible study on that one. Yeah, we should. It's actually, I, I can. I, it's hard for me to answer that real quick without upsetting people. Yeah, okay. Uh, the short answer is no. Okay. Israel is a secular nation, just like Australia. Yep. Do I have a sole right to the land in Australia? No. no. Good point. No, I don't. 
I have to share it with you. I have to share it with people who come to my church. Now, we are a multi-ethnic church. We have, what do we have, Indians and Africans and uh, New Zealanders? Filipinos, Brazilians, Islanders. We we don't mind the Kiwis, but they're there. I mind them. (laughs) (laughs) You only mind them because they keep beating us in the rugby. Miserable old blacks. (laughs) No, we love them all. And we share our land. And I got to tell you, and I'm, I'm going to do Bible study on this. I keep saying I'm going to do Bible studies on these questions. I'm going to we do will. it. And I'll prove to you that Israel doesn't belong just to the Jews. Yep. It's just a secular country. Now, I know that will upset some of you. Don't get upset. Don't stop listening. Stick with us in the next few weeks. I'll deal with it. All righty. Uh, next, next question. Does it matter what Bible translation I use? No. Uh, that's a great answer, Pastor. <laughs> Would you like to elaborate? <laughs> I'd be just happy if you read the Bible. So you're saying they all contain an accurate account of, of God's message? Yeah, they message. do. If it's a translation, they do. They're fantastic. What about the people who say, uh, you know, they get the NIV and the New King James and they say, look, there's bits missing? Uh, well, what happens is the New King James or the King James Version and the NIV come from different uh, uh, sources. What does that mean? The KJV was taken from manuscripts which are a lot. Oh, okay. They're a lot newer, right? Than the manuscripts the NIV was taken from. I don't want to get too deep into this, but I just yep. want to say that 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 the interesting thing is, yeah, there are slight slight differences, Hunty. Yep. Between the versions, but man, they are so close that it's just a testimony to the power of God in protecting the Bible. Read any version you want. Be careful of the paraphrase. The difference between a version and a paraphrase. Paraphrase versions are put together by hundreds of scholars. Yes. Paraphrase is done by usually one bloke. Yes, I, I would agree. Avoid. Taking your, your truth from a paraphrase. Yeah, but read them. Of course, they're fab- Some of the best Bibles Great I read are paraphrases. Yeah, I love the yeah. Clear Word Bible. That's a, that, that's a paraphrase done by an Adventist guy. I think you know him, Jack Blanco. You knew him. He he died. No, you didn't know him. I thought you did. Mm. Um, I love the Good News paraphrase. Yes, me too. Um, I uh, the message. It's okay. It's a bit colloquial for me, but but if you like it, read it. Yep. But if you're really looking for the truth on and doctrines and stuff like that, you know, go to the go to the translations which are done by multiple scholars of multiple denominations. Yes. NIV, NKJV, KJV, NLT, uh, NEV, RSV. You know, I think that's the key. Multiple scholars have got their heads together and done a great translation from the original language. And if you're not sure if it's a translation or a um, paraphrase, when you go to the bookshop, whether it's Kurong or the, your local ABC, uh, ask them and they'll tell you. Cool. Yeah. Okay. So there's right. a short answer to that. Does it matter what Bible translation I use? No, no, no. no. Just no. read it and make sure the one you're reading you understand. Okay. I think I know the answer to this next question, but here goes. Do you have to be an SDA, which is um, an abbreviation for Seventh-day Adventist, do you have to be an SDA to be saved? No. I knew that. You have to be saved. <laughs> you, you have to have accepted Jesus by, uh, you have to accept Jesus as your saviour. You have to acknowledge him as Lord. You have to ask him into your heart. This is all just accepting Jesus as your Lord. Yep. Ask to be born again. Jesus yep. does it all. That's right. Now, will Jesus lead you to Adventism? Well, I'm, I'm a pastor and I believe he'll, he'll lead you to things like the Sabbath. I think he'll lead you in his time through the Holy Spirit to things like what happens to you after you die. But these things don't save you. They just give you clearer uh, insights into who Jesus is and what Jesus wants us to believe. So do you have to be a Seventh-day Adventist to be saved? I hope not, or there'd be hardly anyone in heaven. Hmm. Yeah. All right, well, that's our questions for this afternoon. Yeah, and if you've got... 
questions that you'd like to ask, yep, still even send them to during us. the week, Hunty. Can yeah, I, can of I send them? Email us, uh, info at aussiepasta.com or text us, SMS us on uh, 0488 880 anytime in the next six days. And uh, when, we, when we're back live next week, we'll tackle them. Okay, let's listen to another song. That's Hey, Hunty. Yes. This song, another one of your mates. We're listening to a lot of your, the songs from a lot of your mates. Did G- you choose Gavin. the songs today? No, no I wish. <laughs> I never get this. I've never got to choose the songs. Ah, uh, you chose this one. Oh, it's true. No, the reason, the reason <laughs> I, I chose that. this, <laughs> the reason I chose this one is I was just testing your song list before we started, and the song that you'd actually chosen wouldn't play. Oh, sorry about that, mate. So I feel very blessed that I was testing the songs. <laughs> just so our listeners knows, it takes me about an hour and a half to two hours a week to choose to find some songs. Because you know I like. how red I go when I press a button and something doesn't play. That happened last week, didn't it? Did, it did. It did. Yeah. This yeah. beautiful song from Gavin Chatelier. Yep. You raised me up. I think most of us know this beautiful. We song. We do. It's a ripper. It's, yeah. It is. I think 
eternity You raise me Gavin Chatelier, you raised me up. Did I say that right, Chatelier? Yeah, Chatelier, Chatelier. I think it's yeah, all good. Yeah. Good guy. I think we're going to interview him soon. Yes, we've got him booked up yeah, one, one yeah. week or look, two's Look time. forward to getting him online, and I think you'll find his story interesting too. Let's do a Bible study. Yes. I always like this segment of the show. Remember we talked last week about Lucifer? We did. People said, where did sin come from? We looked about how in heaven uh, he was there. He was the head angel of heaven. And he started to rebel in his heart against the rule of God. And you remember what he wanted to do? Yep, jealousy, green bone. Yeah, what do you want to do? He wanted to have the same authority and power as God. Yeah, he wanted to sit up on the throne next to God. I kind of read it and get the sense he wanted to take the position of Jesus Christ, who yep. is God, yep. at the right hand of the Father. Yep. Uh, Jesus is God, and he wanted to sit up there. And, of course, that's never going to happen. And so he moves amongst the angels, and he begins to share his discontent. This blows me away, mate. I don't get how you can be an angel in heaven living in the presence of God, seeing his goodness, his purity, his righteousness, his power. This is God who rules the universe. I don't get how you as an angel can witness that and then see Lucifer. Now, he was beautiful. I get that. We looked last week how he was the choir master of heaven. Uh, to look at him, it's stunning looking angel. He was the commander of the armies. But even then, if you compare Lucifer, remember he was the angel who covers, so he stands yep. next to the throne of God with yep. his wing across uh, the throne, covering God in, in awe and reverence and worship. Incredible scene. This is the angel that covers. But even so, he would have paled into significance, wouldn't he, in comparison yeah, to God? For sure. I mean, who is like God? I, I, I'm blown away that, that that those angels that he talked to were listening to him even. Me too. But they did. And something awful happens. Revelation chapter 12, verse 7. I'm going to re- get you to read this, auntie. For those of you who are interested, we're reading from the NLT, which is my favourite Bible. I like the New King James Version. I like the NIV too. Yep. Uh, I even like the Old King James, Hunty. But this today from yeah, the me NLT. Too. Me too. And this is specifically the story. So rem- let me remind you, we've got Lucifer. We're in heaven. He wants God's position. What happens? He goes and talks and stirs up trouble amongst the angels. Read us what happens, Hunty. Yep, verse 7. Yep. Then war broke out in heaven. 
Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. Now, that word Michael is just another word for Jesus. Jesus. Yep. Yeah. So it just yep. means war broke out in heaven. Jesus and his angels fought against the dragon, yep. and the dragon, this is it, and his angels, some of the angels went with Lucifer. Can yep. you believe it? It's unbelievable. Keep going. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Ah, can you believe it? Mm. I often wonder why do you come to earth? Mm. Go somewhere else. Yep. Don't come here. Yep. But they end up on planet earth. We're not sure how they end up on planet earth. The Bible doesn't go real clear into this. But there is a great war in heaven. Jesus and his angels fought this war. Was it physical? Probably. Wow. Fought this war against Lucifer and his angels because you can't go to war against God and win, Hunty. Correct. Actually, I know that from my own experience. <laughs> we both do. I've gone up against God a few times <laughs> and I got squashed pretty quick. Now, Lucifer's a lot more powerful than me. Of course. But he was never any contest when it comes no. to a battle against no. God. And these angels on God's side are led by Jesus, who is God. This is a no contest war. I don't think it would have lasted real long. No. They get thrown out of heaven. They end up on earth. Revelation 12 verse 3 gives us another insight into this great battle. I call it Star Wars, this one. Yep. Battle of battles. Read that, Hunty. Read three and four. Sure. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on its heads. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. Stars symbolic of angels. Angels. Mm. Uh, this red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, symbolic of the devil, Satan. The devil. He's often symbolized in the Bible as a dragon. Yep. How many angels did he get on his side? The well, Bible actually tells us here. It does. It says a third. Now, I've often wondered about that. How many angels is a third? Exactly. If there are, do you know how many people there are on the planet? Yeah, about seven billion, I think. So seven billion. So say, Let's talk. Let's let's talk minimum numbers, and then I'll, I'll I'll talk to this. So you know, idea of how big this war was. If there was a demon for every person on earth, now is there hunting? I have no idea. You'd have to say so. You'd have to say you're so. always yes. under temptation. I'm always Constantly. under temptation. Our Constantly. listeners are always. Uh, there's at least one demon. I I reckon many more, but say one. I've got more than that on me. Yeah, of course, <laughs> of course. When and, and in fact, when you when you make a decision. To follow Jesus yes. and ask him into your heart, big time uh, Satan's going to send demons to tempt you. I actually believe when, you, when you're doing good, you get extra attention as well. Yeah, you do. Mm. You do. There's no doubt. Um, when we started doing media, we came under special attention. We did. And it's been hard sometimes to resist the old devil, hasn't it, and, mm. and what he throws at us. Yeah. That's where we're going in this little Bible study. But I'm just trying to make the point here that one-third, one-third of the angels went with Satan. So seven billion. Say there was one angel for every person, one demon for every person. That's seven billion. Yep. So if that's a third, how many were with well, Jesus? Three, two times that. So. 14 billion. Yeah. So that's 21 billion. These are minimum numbers. I can tell you right now we're talking a lot more. Oh, yeah. Than 21 billion angels. And this is a battle in heaven like you have never. We can't imagine it. We cannot imagine 
what's going, what went no. on in heaven no. in this great battle between Lucifer and Jesus. Mm. They're thrown out of heaven. They end up on planet Earth. And so begins, Hunty, I've got to tell you, one of the saddest stories in the history, not of our Earth, yep. but the universe. And we're going to look at that next week. But I just want to comment as we come to a close in this Bible study for the last couple of minutes. A lot of people in Australia scoff at the idea of demons, of yes. angel demons. Yes. We live in this Very country. foolishly. Yeah, that's a very foolish thing. We live in this secular, we are in a secular country. People do not acknowledge God, and when they don't acknowledge God, they won't acknowledge darkness either. That's right. Now, although darkness is at work very much in our culture, a lot of the time we don't see it. We don't recognize it. We don't see it for what it is. But you and I both, Hunty, have worked in the developing world. Yep. I think particularly of Papua New Guinea. I went up there to do an outreach program. You remember this story? I do. 20, 25,000 people on two Aussie rules fields in Ley, and a demon turned up to the program. Everybody saw him. Yep. Stands in front of the stage. Kind of, what do you call that sign when they do it? The cutthroat sign and our, our, our sound went off and everybody's throwing things at him. This might seem incredible. It might seem unreal to the average Aussie, but it's fact. I was there, Hunty. I saw it. Mm. Uh, you pray, demon disappears. Turns up on the last night of the crusade in a black Cadillac. There's not a black Cadillac in all of Papua New Guinea. This stuff seems weird. I get it, Hunty. It seems out of this world, but it's fact. Yep. And I remember getting ushered into a car as this as this demon gets out of the black Cadillac with a shotgun, I guess, looking for me, and rushed away in the car. Well, wow. You know, you don't see things like this in Australia. You know, I got attacked by a demon, Hunty, I when do. I was up in Mount Hagen. I do. In the middle of the night, thing grabbed me around the throat. But the one thing I have learned is that although these demons are there and they'll work differently in different cultures, voodoo is real, mate. That's right. People walking on the firestones in Fiji, that stuff's real and it's demonically inspired. You see all this stuff going on and we kind of look at it in our culture and think it's cute. It's not cute, it's demons. These are fallen angels and they're at work amongst us. How they came to work amongst us, hunty, we're going to look at that next week. It's one of the saddest Bible studies in all of Scripture, but you know what? It's also glorious. Amen. Satan lost in heaven. Yep. At the cross, Satan lost. lost again. And Satan is about to lose at the second coming. But you know what I like about this story? What's that? In your life, you choose Jesus as your saviour. Satan will be a loser right now. Well, I'm tired and I'm weary But I must toil along Till the Lord comes to call me away Where the morning is bright And the Lamb is the light And the night is as fair as the day Shines, giving one.
Jesus to come into our hearts, to live inside of us, protect us from the evil one, and may we experience peace even in the valley. In Jesus' name, amen. My name's Lloyd Grolleman. I'm the Aussie pastor, and I love you. Jesus, though, he loves you a whole lot more. See you next time. Thanks for joining the Aussie pastor. If you enjoyed today's program and would like to find out more about Jesus, our ministry, or ways to support us, go to findjesus.tv.